You're listening to the Storyteller Series from The Salvation Army. For more information or to share your questions and comments, visit SalvationArmySoundcast.org. The Book of Acts, Chapter 14. At Iconium, Paul and Barnabas went as usual into the Jewish synagogue. There they spoke so effectively that a great number of Jews and Greeks believed. But the Jews who refused to believe stirred up the other Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. So Paul and Barnabas spent considerable time there, speaking boldly for the Lord, who confirmed the message of His grace by enabling them to perform signs and wonders. The people of the city were divided. Some sided with the Jews, others with the apostles. There was a plot afoot among both Gentiles and Jews, together with their leaders, to mistreat them and stone them. But they found out about it and fled to the Laconian cities of Lystra and Derbe and to the surrounding country where they continued to preach the gospel. In Lystra there sat a man who was lame. He had been that way from birth and had never walked. He listened to Paul as he was speaking. Paul looked directly at him, saw that he had faith to be healed, and called out, Stand up on your feet! At that the man jumped up and began to walk. When the crowd saw what Paul had done, They shouted in the Lyconian language, The gods have come down to us in human form. Barnabas they called Zeus, and Paul they called Hermes, because he was the chief speaker. The priest of Zeus, whose temple was just outside the city, brought bulls and reefs to the city gates because he and the crowd wanted to offer sacrifices to them. But when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of this, they tore their clothes and rushed out into the crowd, shouting, Friends! Why are you doing this? We too are only human, like you. We are bringing you good news, telling you to turn from these worthless things to the living God, who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. In the past, he let all nations go their own way, yet he has not left himself without testimony. He has shown kindness by giving you rain from heaven and crops in their seasons. He provides you with plenty of food and fills your hearts with joy. Even with these words, they had difficulty keeping the crowd from sacrificing to them. Then some Jews came from Antioch and Iconium and won the crowd over. They stoned Paul and dragged him outside the city, thinking he was dead. But after the disciples had gathered around him, he got up and went back into the city. The next day, he and Barnabas left for Derby. They preached the gospel in that city and won a large number of disciples. Then they returned to Lystra, Iconium and Antioch, strengthening the disciples and encouraging them to remain true to the faith. We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God, they said. Paul and Barnabas appointed elders for them in each church and with prayer and fasting committed them to the Lord, in whom they had put their trust. After going through Pisidia, they came into Pamphylia, and when they had preached the word in Perga, they went down to Italia. From Italia, they sailed back to Antioch, where they had been committed to the grace of God for the work they had now completed. On arriving there, they gathered the church together and reported all that God had done through them and how he had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. And they stayed there a long time with the disciples. So in chapter 14, we see that Paul and Barnabas are still traveling and they're in Iconium and uh, they begin to preach in the Jewish synagogues. And so although 
uh, they are speaking effectively and a number of Jews and Greeks actually believe them. They're still Jews who refuse to believe and are really stirring up other people and poisoning their minds um, to not believe the word. And so it's really encouraging to see that even though that's happening, Paul and Barnabas still uh, stayed there and spoke boldly and um, the Lord used them and confirmed their message by allowing them to speak with grace and enabling them to do signs and wonders. So what other ways does the Bible describe kind of how Paul's sermons were and what gifts he used? I really find Paul's sermon here in chapter 14 uh, remarkable and uh, find it remarkable uh, for I think what is really an important lesson in our outreach and in how we do mission today even. Um, Paul does perform a miracle here in healing this man who's crippled uh, in his feet, who's been lame from birth. And then the people rise up to call uh, Paul and to call Barnabas gods. And um, Paul is very quick to, uh, to unlike Herod, uh, to say, no, no, this, this is not because of who I am. This has nothing to do with me. And he says that they're simply just proclaiming the good news to them uh, and tells them that they should turn from their worthless things, from idols, essentially, and turn instead to the living God who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything that is in them. And then he says something that I just find so fascinating and almost contradictory to how we often think about our role and mission. He says, uh, in past generations, he, meaning God, allowed all the nations to go their own ways, yet he did not leave himself without a witness by doing good, by giving you rain from heaven and fruitful seasons, satisfying you with food and your hearts with joy. And how often do we go into missional context wanting to reorient people to the good that God's already given them. You know, I find oftentimes when I hear people evangelize, they're trying to convince people to believe something in order that they be blessed by God. But here, Paul comes and says, believe because you've been blessed by God. God is the creator God. He's not a God who is particular to one group of people, though Israel was his special possession, no doubt. He was still the God of the whole earth, of all of creation, and from time immemorial has been blessing generation after generation. And as we are right now in the midst of a global crisis, this pandemic that is afflicting the entire world, uh, I'm reminded of this, and I really cherish this word because I think we're in a time where people are returning back to um, realizing, you know, what are the simple blessings in life. Uh, we're not able to indulge in a lot of the idolatries that we would normally. And so we begin to cherish the things that really ultimately matter and bring meaning in our life. Simple blessings like food and shelter, uh, blessings like family and friends. And so when we go out to witness to people, we can say to them, here we have in your life, in these cherished things, in the simple blessings of life, in the profound, life-giving, meaningful things of life like friends and family, we find God already blessing you. This is a, a witness 
that points us to him. And now we just ask that you not just enjoy those blessings, but you enjoy the fruit of relationship with the one who has blessed us, that you turn to God, realizing that he's always been with you all along the way. I love that. That's a great um, lesson that we can glean from Paul's preaching style, uh, especially as we look over the entire chapter as he's preaching the gospel. First off, he's bold. And um, second, he's strategic. So he invites response, but uh, which is like what we love in the Salvation Army. Uh, but he also um, knows his audience. So he, when he's speaking to Greeks or to Gentiles, he's not doing tons of Old Testament quoting because that's not something they're familiar with. He's like you just said, Caleb, he's reminding them of what's around them, like how they see God revealed, like in creation or in, in the, um, the blessing of their everyday lives. And we can pull that to now, right? So like, if you're showing up and you're speaking to people who have knowledge of the Bible, then you would use the Bible. But if you're speaking to people who have no Bible knowledge, well, that's not going to be a meaningful tool in, t uh, in preaching, uh, for decision. And so I love that Paul puts his hand to what works in the moment. I think that's a really important um, lesson for us to glean from him. Uh, I also like that um, in this chapter, as he's preaching, he looks out in his midst and sees this guy that's been crippled um, from birth, and he doesn't even have the strength in his feet to stand up. But like as he's speaking, he sees people. Like he's not so yes. consumed by the sound of his voice or like the moment or like the power of God in his midst. He's not swept away, but instead he actually is very focused on the people that are, are in his midst. And he sees this guy, and God just gives him this discernment to see like this guy, like it's his moment. Like he has the faith right now to be healed. So Paul just straight up boldly like calls him out and he's like okay stand up like god wants to heal you and the guy does it and it all happens and everyone's just like bah! and so what i love about that which is another like really it's a lesson to me um in my communication is that i need to zone in on the people and what's happening around me um and then he also preaches humbly uh because um he had times uh, that we find in this chapter where people got a bit confused and tried to worship him and uh, him and Barnabas and the people because they didn't know they were only like kind of they were doing what they knew to do. So we see in chapter 14, verse 11, when the crowd sees that Paul, what Paul has done, they get all excited and they're like, the gods have come down to us in human form. And, uh, and so straight off the bat, like once Paul realizes what's happening, he's like, he doesn't just be like, okay, everybody, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. He's like <laughs> ripping his clothes. He's like throwing himself down. He's rushing into the crowd. He's like, no, no, stop. We're like you, like, no, no, no. And so I feel like he's also modeling what that humility looks like. And it's a radical humility. Um, and, uh, like that, like, where do we see that now? Right. Like, what does that even look like nowadays in leadership, um, in church levels, governmental levels, organizational levels? Like, you know, where like 
where is that radical humility that says, like, I have made myself of no reputation. I'm just a poor beggar that's found bread, and I'm just pointing everybody to where that's come from. Because uh, I'm just a messenger. I, yes, I, I mean, I think that itself, like that kind of radical humility that Paul is modeling for us, like that in itself in these days could be like a modern sign and wonder. Thanks for listening. If you're enjoying this show, please share it with a friend. You can subscribe to the Storyteller series on Apple Podcast, Spotify, or your own favorite podcast store. For more information, visit SalvationArmySoundcast.org.